You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right. Good morning, America. This is Pete Mecca, your host for A Veteran Story on AmericasWebRadio.com. My scheduled guest today will have to cancel due to emergency, and he will be with us next week. His handle as a fighter pilot was Rico. Rico flew the A-10 Warthogs and also the F-15 Eagles. He is nationally known as the last MiG killer. He shot down three enemy MiG fighters. Please join us next week. So I'm going to take this one on by myself, but keep in mind that this past Monday was National Vietnam War Veterans Day. I'm going to talk a little bit about my war and also our so-called special day of recognition. You know, Americans' involvement in Southeast Asia initiated the biggest vacuum in its society since the Civil War. But to reiterate the long, tragic struggle of Vietnam, plus the societal and political unrest it spawned, is not my intention today. I guess the purpose of this broadcast is to give you one Vietnam veteran's personal struggle to understand a war plagued by misunderstandings and miscalculations. To describe who yours truly really was at one time, or I guess for that matter, who every Vietnam veteran was, is often entitled a book by the celebrated war correspondent Joe Galloway. We were soldiers once and young. Moreover, to illustrate how we fought is found in the five-word title of General Norman Schwarzkopf's book, It Doesn't Take a Hero. We were soldiers. We were young, but we did not consider ourselves heroes. The blunt of our war fell on the shoulders of American and South Vietnamese warriors with the limited yet courageous combat assistance via our allies Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, and South Korea. I guess it suffice to say to use the term limited to portray their support will not bode well with the families and friends of our allies who lost their loved ones in a war marred by a lackluster will to win. You know, debates on why we were in Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia will continue for years to come. Yet the true reason for our involvement is very simplistic, to stop the spread of communism. We were not there to drill for oil or exploit the region's natural resources, nor were we there to Americanize the Vietnamese nor colonize their territory. The world at that time was in the grips of the geopolitical nightmare called the Cold War. And Vietnam was a little-known backburner until the heat was turned on full blast. It was uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower who began our involvement in 1954 with arms and financial support to South Vietnam. But the president was also a successful and intuitive West Point graduate, as you recall, the Supreme Allied Commander in Europe during World War II. He famously stated as a warning to never involve American boys in a ground war in Southeast Asia. 
Eisenhower appreciated the reality that Southeast Asia represented and presented a party political and military quagmire for any boots-on-the-ground involvement by the United States of America. He also understood an involvement in that region would counter his belief that there is no substitute for victory. The Korean War baptized us, baptized America, to its first limited war, which ended in a stalemate. Vietnam just verified the folly of limited war. You know, war to Americans is much like a football game, as I have said before. You take the field, you kick ass, and then you come home. You do not leave your players on the field until they wear down to the advantage of a rival. We never left the field in Vietnam. We obeyed the rules while our enemy ignored them. Our ultimate goal was never clear, never confirmed, and as a result, never believed. You had American warriors saddled up, they locked and loaded, and kept the faith until losing faith with the basement leadership 10,000 miles away in Washington, D.C. You know, President Teddy Roosevelt hit the nail on the river head when he stated, walk softly, but carry a big stick. The United States of America does not need to be a bully. Bullies are cowards. We all know that. But America has the military might to be a shield against evil. And when evil pokes up its ugly head, decapitate the bastard and then bring our warriors home. I guess the warriors of Vietnam have melodic soldiers who will simply fade away since we are no longer young. And yeah, <laughs> we appreciate all the praise showered our way late in our lives. Yet we grieve for our brothers and sisters who passed away after the war, but never heard a kind word for their service. We were not heroes, nor were we baby killers. It's just like the greatest generation. We did our job. We did what we had to do and what we were trained to do. Yet we did so under impossible ruse of engagement. That's our cross to bear. And Agent Orange lingers as our curse. We who have PTSD can be treated, but not cured. But if you must have heroes, well, their names are etched on a long black granite wall in Washington, D.C. The young airman, United States Air Force Technical Sergeant Richard B. Fitzgibbon, Jr., is officially recognized as the first American serviceman killed in, Viet in the Vietnam War on June 8, 1956. His son, Marine Lance Richard B. Fitzgibbon III, was killed in action on September 7, 1965. On the morning of April 29, 1975, 21-year-old Marine Corporal Charles McMahon and 19-year-old Lance Corporal, and he was also an Eagle Scout, Darwin Judge 
will provide security at the Defense Attaché's office adjacent to Tonsnu Air Force Base in Saigon. Both died at the same moment in a rocket attack by the North Vietnamese. They are officially listed as the last two American servicemen killed in the Vietnam War. Both those young Marines have been in country less than two weeks. The bodies of McMahon and Judge were taken to the uh, Saigon Adventist Hospital near the air base. That's one day before Operation Frequent Wind, the U.S. evacuation of Saigon was completed. The few remaining staff at the hospital were all the inquiring calls about the boys that the two bodies had been evacuated. In fact, the bodies had been left behind. One year later, through the efforts of Senator Edward Kennedy, the bodies were secured and returned through di- diplomatic channels. Returned to his hometown of Woburn, Massachusetts, Marine Corporal Charles McMahon was given a proper military funeral, and a memorial wall was actually erected in his honor by the Boys and Girls Club of Woburn. Lance Corporal Darwin Judge was buried in his hometown of Marshalltown, Iowa. Now, of course, there was a Marine Corps honor guard that gave the rifle firing salute, then they presented the flag that draped his coffin to his parents. Otherwise, this young Marine's funeral was totally ignored. No major or media attended the Marine's funeral. There was one lone exception from a paper, a small paper called The Daily Iowa out of Iowa City, Iowa. The last two servicemen to die. One honored by his hometown, the other ignored. You know, as crass as this may sound, that pretty well sums up our return from Vietnam in the waning years of the war. The public was having trouble separating the war from the warrior. And the government had already deserted us. You know, in the aftermath of the Great War, World War One. Silent films depicted the conflict in really less than realistic footage. During World War II, government made and also a few war correspondence films and newsreels informed the uninformed public. Newspapers and radios were the only real source of war news for the Korean War, much of it censored because of that time, only about 9% of the population on the TV. Come Vietnam, during our war, and as the casualties mounted in Vietnam, over 85% of American families could turn on the TV and watch the war as if the conflict was a series on the yet-to-be history channel. Our war was the first war Televised, and there were instances, many instances, when parents were watching the TV, watching the news, maybe watching Walter Cronkite, and they saw their son or husband in agony on TV after he'd been wounded. 
And there was one instant where the parents saw a poncho being put over their son's corpse. It was tough fighting a war with TV cameras at your back. It was tough trying to cope with the news that was reported. And it was pretty much all negative back then. We're going to get into uh, a little bit about the signing of the peace trees in just a minute. I think we're about due for our first break, so folks, stay with us. I have a lot to say about Vietnam and uh, National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Stick with me. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Hello. My name is Colonel Retired Rick White, the United States Army veteran, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I would like to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you are a Georgia veteran, and the Georgia veteran's definition is you were either born in this state, or you lived in the state 10 years, or you raised your right hand and joined the military in the state of Georgia, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to your website at www.gmvhof.org. Or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. Nominations need to be in by the last Friday in August each year. Again, if you're a Georgia veteran or you're a friend or family member of a Georgia veteran, living or deceased, please consider nominating that veteran to this highly noble and rare Hall of Fame for our great state. Thank you so much. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. All right, folks, back on... Back on with you. Let's continue the uh, talk on Vietnam and also the Vietnam War Veterans Day, which is this past Monday. On January 1st, 1973, President Richard Nixon signed the Paris Peace Accords. With a stroke of a pen, America's direct military involvement in Southeast Asia was officially over. With pledges, to indirectly support our South Vietnamese ally, which we did not in the long run. On April 21st, 1975, President Gerald Ford announced in a speech at Tulane University that, as far as America is concerned, this war is over. 
eight days later, a North Vietnamese 122 millimeter rocket into the lives of those two young Marines near the Townsend Air Base. The last Americans to die, boots on the ground in Vietnam. The very next day, April 30th, 1975, North Vietnamese tanks rode onto the presidential palace grounds in Saigon. Fending off the Chinese for centuries, then the French, then the Japanese, then the French again after World War II, and finally the American involvement. Vietnam's 1,000-year struggle to Vietnam was finally over. 37 years after the guns fell silent in Southeast Asia, President Barack Obama proclaimed on March 29, 2012, that henceforth, March 29th would be known as Vietnam War Veterans Day. It still took another five years for March 29th to become an official day of recognition when President Donald Trump signed the Vietnam War Veterans Recognition Act of 2017. Okay. So there we were. 42 years after the war ended, finally getting our day of recognition in 2017. March 29, 2001, this year, will be the fourth year of official recognition. Well, better late than never, I suppose. But in truth, folks, I'm not too impressed. I'm not bored the reader with all the mathematical calculations, but after deducting the ones who didn't return and the deducting the ones still alive from the number who served, the number who have perished after returning from Vietnam is more or less 1.8 million Vietnam-era veterans who never lived to see the day that officially recognized their service in Southeast Asia be it on the ground, in the air, or at sea. No, I'm not impressed at all by the too-late gesture for final closure. Am I ungrateful? No. I'm heartbroken. A bottle of pills from the VA can sedate, but not alleviate the memories. The National Day of Recognition may pacify, but it can't help us find peace within our souls. We cannot forget the war. Can we forgive what was once a thankless nation, a deceitful government, asinine rules of engagement that maimed us mentally and physically? Yes, yeah, of course. We can forgive even if forgiveness is not deserved by some, absolutely, we can still forgive because we deserve peace. But we cannot forget. You sit in a VA waiting room and observe. Observe the old men on walkers or using a cane or maneuvering their motorized scooter around people in chairs. Watch these guys as they hobble around on artificial legs or scribble almost illegibly 
with their left hand because they no longer have a right hand. And trying to notice the ones walking out of the mental health department, they still have that 1,000-yard stare. These are the warriors who can forgive, but they will never be able to forget. Don't pity them. They don't want your pity, and they sure as hell don't need it. A simple thank you will suffice. And also remember, at one point in their lives, they were bigger badasses than you ever could imagine. I guess it's best explained, as I said, by the title of Joe Galloway's book. We were soldiers once and young. Folks, I have had personal interviews with America's Best, over 400 now, all wars, all branches, all ranks, all races, creeds, and colors. If you served, it doesn't matter to me. If you got out of boot camp, you have a story to tell. I hope I'm around long enough to interview another 400. They all have a story to tell. They all deserve to be heard. They all need their personal closure. Uh, I think personally I'll never experience closure. There's just too much left to do, too many stories waiting to be told, and too, mem- too many memories to be shared. Not a day goes by without Vietnam creeping, creeping into my psyche. Vietnam is my mistress with the slanted eyes, the sounds, the smells, the noise, the hump, hump, hump of the Huey Rotor Blade, the disillusionment. I suppose that's my cross to bear, but bear it I will. Allow me to uh, state one of the best observations regarding war that I've ever read by Bruce H. Horton, and I quote, Combat is fast, unfair, cruel, and dirty. It is meant to be that way so that the terrible experience is branded into the memory of those who are fortunate enough to survive. It is up to those survivors to endure that experience and make sure that it is recorded and passed along to those who just might want to try it. War is not so ghibli advanced by those who experienced it. Well, uh, this is a little bit off-key here, but I'm still going to present it. You know, in war, failure of politics, does failure meant itself as a gesture of gratitude for Washington, D.C.? Listen to this, and then you tell me. Vietnam horribly divided this country. Something had to be done to hopefully heal the division. Now, the idea came from a guy named uh, John Struggs, I believe his name was. He served and was wounded in Vietnam. He served with the 199th Light Infantry Division. He came up with the idea in 1970 and started with $2,800 of his own money. His idea was the Vietnam Wall. The Wall that Hills was completed in 1982. 
seven years after the official end of our war. At least most of the veterans of that war had the opportunity to visit the wall if they chose to do so. The $9 million cost was covered by private donations, corporations, foundations, unions, veteran groups. No federal funds were used. The land was donated by Congress, but no federal funds were used to build the wall. Our first limited war in Korea was officially over in 1953. The Korean War Memorial was finally completed in 1995, 42 years after the end of that war. The same thing, the cost was paid for private donations. Now recall, the Vietnam War was built, Vietnam Wall was built seven years after the war ended. Perhaps it did help heal the nation. But the Korean War Memorial, 42 years after the fact, after the end of that war, the vast majority of Korean War veterans never had the chance to visit their memorial. And my parents' generation, the greatest generation, my dad, who served for three years in the China-Burma-Indy Theater of Operations, my mom, who worked as a supervisor at Army Depot for over two years, their memorial was completed in 2004, 59 years after the war ended. I wish my dad could have seen his memorial. The cost was $197 million, once again absorbed by private donations, plus donations from over 1,200 schools in America. The federal government did con- uh, contribute $16 million out of the $197 million, whoopee. Now, World War One, also known as the Great War. 204,000 Americans were wounded in action. We lost 117,000 KIA killed in action. They have no memorial in Washington, D.C. There is one being built. Estimated year of completion, 2024. 106 years after the war ended in 1918. The cost will be approximately $50 million. $48.1 million has already been raised through private donations with about $2 million still needed. No federal funds have been authorized. Paying tributes to our wars, paying tributes to the men and women who fought them, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that should be some kind of priority for the federal government. But it's been up to the private citizens, it's been up to the veterans, it's been up to corporations and unions and, and, and private schools and pri- public schools. It's been up to to people who are still in the military to fund war memorials. 
Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's a national disgrace. Folks, that's my uh, second period of a rant, so I will be back to you in just a couple minutes. Stay with me. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. All right, folks, thanks for staying with me. Uh, I had several thoughts about how to address the uh, National Vietnam War Veterans Day of recognition this past Monday. And it was hard for me to come up with something, if you can imagine that. But I have over 2,000 followers on Facebook and almost the same amount on my email account or email address. But this is what I wrote finally. Now I'll repeat it for you on Vietnam War Veterans Day this past Monday on Facebook, and the response was tremendous. This is what I wrote. Today is Vietnam War Veterans Day. I have tried to come up with something profound to say, something that made sense of it all. I even surfed the Internet for a Cold War quote, pledging to stop the spread of communism, but all to no avail. The word profound means intellectually penetrating or having deep insight on something. Yet even with 30 months of that war under my brass buckle, I can't say there was anything intelligent and intellectually penetrating concerning Vietnam, and especially when the deep insight by our government leaders gave way to defeatism. And so far as making sense of it all, well, too many, too many books have been written on the war, but I have yet to read anything that made sense of it all when our rules of engagement made no sense at all. So far as the Cold War is concerned, quote after quote claims we won the Cold War. Yet the evil stepchild of communism, socialism, runs rampant on our streets and in the minds of power-hungry politicians. Vietnam wounded America beyond the battlefields of Southeast Asia, and that wound never really healed. Our honorable withdrawal from Vietnam created a political and social vacuum that still exists today. The veterans of that war observing their special day while the anti-war elite ruled the country. 
the entire country faced a fork in the road after our war was over. Some people went left, some of us went right. And those roads have yet to meet in the middle. The American soldier didn't lose that war. The politicians did. And it's the politicians that may lose us a country. To all my brothers and sisters, welcome home. But we, even in our old age, may have to defend our home again. Unquote. And I say that with all my heart. What, what, were, what were we fighting for? Seriously, it's, it's hard to come up with, with a, something, but I, I can tell you what I wasn't there fighting for, nor were any of my brothers and sisters. We weren't there to fight for this. You know, a few years back, stick with me on this, a few years back, we couldn't visualize that one day in the future, all we had to do was plug in a cell phone or another type of electronic gadget and hear a soft voice telling us how to get to a desk destination the quickest way or if there's a traffic jam or accident up ahead a few years back we couldn't imagine there would be a device available to hook up to your car to keep you driving while intoxicated a few years back we'd laugh at the idea of turning the ability to, to brake or park our vehicle up to new technology so be advised. I heard this on national radio yesterday on the way back from Jacksonville. There is technology that already exists to install and activate a road distance tax gadget in your vehicle. When you start your vehicle, you have to punch in your destination, just like you do on the Waze or any other point-to-point -point technology, and the gadget will then calculate how much to tax you for your expected miles driven. Now, I didn't hear if you pay immediately, like with a debit or credit card, if the federal government sends out a monthly bill or whatever. I have no idea. But as if that wasn't bad enough, some goofball guess on there was discussing how to initiate a tire tax. That's right, folks. A tire tax. If I recall properly, a few years back, we threw a lot of British tea in the Boston Harbor over up this type of garbage. It took this highly inefficient government over a year to pass a so-called second stimulus bill. Well, isn't that just dandy? All of us will be taxed eventually four to five times the amount of our stimulus checks every year or every month for that matter. Some of the type of taxes we now pay would have called riots and our civil war a few years back. But we've become numb to the reality that our government is run by a pack of thieves. We have been sedated to laugh and tell jokes about how taxation without representation, without representation has drained us and our country. Yeah, it's funny as hell, isn't it? When you hear about government spending, just remember, the government doesn't have money. They spend our money. 
And that's our money going for their pet projects and to pay off special interest groups. Our politicians fully understand the gullibility of the human race and take full advantage of that fall to rule either by tomfoolery or newer, stricter laws. An educated class of citizenry will resist such nonsense, thus the government wanting to control what our kids are taught. Or better yet, dummy down to believe that government is God. As a Vietnam veteran, I tend to think government is more like Satan than a deity. As I've stated, I've had the uh, absolute honor to interview over 400 veterans of all wars, all branches, all ranks. It does not matter to me. Of over 400, only one wanted socialism because he was also one of the laziest human beings I've ever met. All the other vets I've interviewed wore a uniform to preserve our Constitution and Bill of Rights but not to preserve the freedom for those willing to strip us of our freedoms. I want to quote something from a communist. Chinese Chairman Mao Zedong said this in his speech on protracted warfare in 1937. When When politics develop into an obstacle that cannot be swept away, then a war breaks out to sweep away the obstacle. If the obstacle is swept away, then the war will discontinue. If the obstacle is not swept away, then the war must continue. Therefore, it can be said, politics of war is war without bloodshed, and war is politics with bloodshed. Unquote. Well, I hate to quote a Chinese, I mean, not a Chinese, but a communist, but he nailed that one right on the head. War is politics, and politics is war. And also, keep in mind Mousy Tongue, who slaughtered millions of his own people, also stated, power comes from the barrel of a gun. Give up your right to defend yourself, give up your weapons, and you will be giving up your freedom. That's my personal point of view, but hey, it's my radio show by God, and I think we do not need to undefend ourselves. National Vietnam War Veterans Day. This Vietnam Veterans do not fight to see my free speech dictated by politicians, nor did I fight to obey politicians seeking to bar me from owning a weapon. When the same type of politician once gave me a weapon to defend a foreign country, frankly, I am much more inclined to defend my own country. Once again, as during the Obama administration, our military is being purged, downsized, and crippled by social engineering as if the men and women in uniform don't have enough sense to know right from wrong. Or they only want a certain type of individual covering their sex. The military is trained as a team. They are not a political party. 
nor are they the domestic terrorists this so-called purge wants to eliminate. So why do it? Why do we put on a uniform to go into a no-win situation in Vietnam? Why? I mean, why do young Americans still volunteer to put their lives in harm's way? Why do we sign a dotted line to give our lives away, if necessary, for low wages and long hours? Why do we do it? Why do we do it? We do it for you. To all my brothers and sisters who wore the uniform from World War II, Korea, the Cold War, Vietnam, the war on terror, the secret operations we never hear about, and to the ones that maintain the peace today, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. God bless you guys. Stay strong. Stay healthy. Be cool out there. And duck when you're supposed to. Don't try to be a hero. Come home in one piece. Folks, I, I you know, I, I sometimes I, I get frustrated because I have a hard time relating the words I need to say about Vietnam that I need to say about being not too impressed about final recognition for a Vietnam veterans because so many, so many have passed away and never heard one kind word about their service. They never heard a thank you. Uh, when we came back, nobody wanted to talk to us. Nobody wanted to hear us. Nobody wanted our speech, and nobody wanted a presentation from us. Now, we're in demand. They want to hear about Vietnam, and especially the children, the kids. Uh, we actually have, finally, some students learning about Vietnam because we finally have some teachers preach, uh, preaching, <laughs> teaching courses on Vietnam. And the kids love it. The waiting list is long to get in. You cannot keep from repeating history unless you learn from history. I have said it again, and I repeat this. In the not-too-distant future, we will probably have a history book written by some goofball that said that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor simply because American was racist. Or that Adolf Hitler was just a misunderstood visionary. When all the World War II veterans are gone, when all the Korean veterans are gone, when all the Vietnam veterans are gone, when Agent Orange gets the rest of us, so goes the truth about our wars and what we did, how we had to serve, how we had to survive, and to tell the stories of the ones that didn't. All that will be gone. And all that's left will be history repeated by historians and authors looking for a quick buck. So be careful what you read and be careful what you believe when you read it. All right, folks, we're going to our last books. I'll be back with some final thoughts in just a minute. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com.
This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. I mean, I don't know what I did wrong. Pete, it's all you. Okay, David, I think you said it's all mine. Thank you. Thank you, David. All right, we're back with you, folks. Um, I was on a Zoom meeting the other day with a Canadian professor. This Canadian professor is teaching his Canadian students about World War II the American involvement in World War II. And down the road, he's going to teach his students about Vietnam. And he has asked me to participate in the Zoom meetings with his students. I am honored to do that, and I will hold no punches when I am interviewed by those Canadian students. On the Zoom meeting with us were two Vietnamese you know, I kept looking at their, their photo, their, their picture on, on the Zoom, and I said, they look like Vietnamese, and they finally spoke up. One was a Vietnamese surgeon in the Vietnamese military. He escaped before the communists took over, and all he could talk about was how proud he was to be an American, how honored he was to have been able to come here become an American and live out his life in freedom. And he was so thankful for the to, to the Americans and all of our allies who, who helped try to stem communism. And if you need to talk to someone about communism, you need to talk to this man. He will tell you exactly how horrific it is to live under. He loves America. And he loves the American people. And he said, the American people still cannot comprehend how lucky they have it in this country. Now, the other Vietnamese gentleman was also with the uh, South Vietnamese Army. He was a helicopter pilot. And he said, oh, boy, I love to fly those American helicopters. He said, I love that Huey chopper. He said, I will never forget the sound of that chopper. I will never forget learning how to fly it. But he said at the end of the war, I have vivid memories about how our funds were cut off. The funds that were promised us were cut off. And I went into the air to try to save my country from communism with not enough ammunition, not enough rockets, not enough bullets in our guns to stem the tide. But he said, that's the only thing bitter I feel about America. He said, I have been here for, for many years now, 
And he said, by God, how, how great it is to be in this country. How, how great of a country is this? Uh, we understand what freedom really is by being Americans now. And we understand how we can lose all that freedom. You see, they, they, these two guys lost their freedom before. They're Americans now, and they don't want to lose it again. All my buddies that I've interviewed who I personally know that came back from Vietnam, I would say 7% of them, even though it was a horrible war, have said they would go back and do it again. Why? Because they love war? They'd like to be in life and death situations? No. They would like to do it again just to see if we could do it right. Just to see if we could have stopped the spread of communism. But you have to have a heart to win. You can't send American boys, girls, men and women into combat and say, just do half your job. Don't worry about what you're trained to do. Don't worry about winning. Just do half your job. Tell that to your high school football team and see what happens. Tell the, Hey, tell that to the, the final four in college basketball this year. Do you think they want to come in second? Do you think they want to be defeated because their, their coach says, you know, to be fair, let, let's put all our players in there. Let's put our second, third string players in there so they can say they played in the final four. Or better yet, let's be fair. Let's be like Vietnam. Let, let, let's play this game with one hand tied behind our back to show people uh, that we can win anyway with one hand tied behind our back. We're just going to put three men on the basketball court instead of five. Let's do that and show people how good we are. Well, they're going to lose. You have to have the will to win. You have to want to be number one. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be a winner. There is nothing wrong ever with wanting to win a war as soon as possible so you can get our people home. We compete in America. That's why this country is great. That's why it used to be great. They're trying to drain competition from us. My God, they're letting men compete in women's sports now because the men think they are women. And all the women's sports, the records are going to be broken by men. And because of the difference of between men and women, and there is a difference, by the way, if you want to look, because of that difference, some of these records will never be broken by the women when they finally get back their sports. I don't know, folks. I... I, I I don't know if I can tell you that I fought for this kind of nonsense that's going on in this country. I believe that all of us have a right to live in freedom, that we have a right to speak when we want to, that we have a right to read a book when we want to. Dr. Seuss is racist. Back then, it may have been. Back then, things were different. Back then, is something we cannot forget, but we can forgive. Gone with the wind, to kill a mockingbird, banned. 
reminds me of like around 1937 when the Nazis started burning books, banned free speech, banned a certain class of citizens called the Jewish people, imprisoned people with mental deficiencies, gypsies, or any political opponent. At first, they called the camps re-education camps for their political enemies. Have you heard that term lately? Yeah. When the Vietnam War was over, millions of South Vietnamese were put in re-education camps. They they may have passed the course, but you cannot re-educate a human being if he he or she has been free and then preach to them that they do not have that right to be free and that we must believe in our chosen leaders, what they tell us, what they want us to do, and how to think. The South Vietnamese lost that freedom. And the ones who made it over here, the boat people, and many perished trying to get out of Vietnam. The babies who came here and were adopted by American families, some of them are serving in our military now. You cannot tell them that we need to put Americans in re-education camps. You cannot tell the Vietnamese that they need to learn something different about America, that it's not really great. I saw one hat that said America never was great. I don't know where these people come from. But I think Vietnamese sure wouldn't go back, but I think maybe some of these natural-born Americans that believe we're so horrible, perhaps they need to go to Vietnam and live there for a couple years, or Venezuela, Russia, China, I don't care, North Korea. Go to North Korea. Tell them you want all your desires be met and tell them you're not going to respect their flag. That's not what we fought for in Vietnam. That is definitely not what my father and the greatest generation fought for. Vietnam taught us a lesson about how not to fight a war. The greatest generation taught us how to fight a war. Somewhere we lost that tactic and that strategy. You do not put American men and women in a no-win situation. I don't know how many times that has to be repeated, but apparently it's going to have to be repeated more and more as we progress in this country and by what's going on. Our veterans are all defended to defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. About 90% of us now believe that we may have to defend this country again. That, that's sad. That's really sad. And so far, <laughs> hey, I'm going to bring up politics here. So far as the requiring someone to have an ID to vote, 90% of the American people of us, that's liberals and and gays and transsexual people and Republicans and Democrats and independents, 90% of us say that we should have an ID 
to vote. My God, we're voting for a person that was going ha- that will have their finger on the nuclear button. We need to have honest elections. We need an ID in order to vote. And we need to defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I hope we can do it peacefully. They say God bless the United States of America. I believe God has blessed this country. And I hope he's not looking down and saying what happened. I think a lot of Americans are already saying that. I think we need to return to our basic teachings and beliefs in our schools, like writing, uh, writing, reading, and arithmetic versus social engineering and how horrible it is to be white. The Coca-Cola Balling Company came out with some Coke cans that say, be less white. I don't know how to be less white. I don't know how you be less black or less Asian or less Puerto Rican or, or less anything Got that be. you were born with. But God help us, folks. We have a great country. Let's not lose it. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for allowing me to speak about Vietnam and some of my views. I've enjoyed it. I'm very grateful to you. God bless. See you next week. Bye-bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.